Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning. Small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success because together we're more. I'm coming to you today from the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, headquartered in Durant, Oklahoma, with my guest, Robert Baker, who contributes to our Choctaw language department on a daily basis. My sister and I take online Choctaw classes through the tribe, so when I met Robert, I thought it was great to visit with someone who's contributing to the preservation of our language. Robert Yakuki for joining me today. Oh, me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, Robert, where did you grow up? I grew up in McCartan County. Uh, you know, out of Bell, Brooklyn, Millwright City, and surrounding communities. And stuff Choctaw like that. country. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Um, and I graduated uh, Brooklyn Bell High School in uh, 93. And so, uh, but yeah, McCurtain County is the majority where I, I grew up. Well, I'm, you're so lucky. It's a beautiful area, yeah. especially in Broken Bow. So definitely lots of Okie Choctaw country there. And you currently live in Bokchido, Oklahoma. Tell us more about the town. Uh, Bokchido, you know, if you, if you blink, you're going to miss it. I think it, <laughs> I think it has, uh, about 640, 650 people, mm-hmm. uh, about 15 or 13 miles east of, uh, where we're at, uh, Durant right now. Right. And, uh, uh Bokchido, it actually means, uh, it's a Choctaw word for a uh, big river. But yeah, I mean, that, I've only lived there for, uh, four or five years now, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, Nice quiet town and stuff like that. And it's a bit historical, right? The Choctaw came to Bokchido when they came over during the removal on the t- Trail of Tears into Indian Territory, which is now the state of Oklahoma. And then the Armstrong Academy, I noticed, was established there in 1844. And I think this topic deserves a quick mention, especially for those studying Choctaw history. The Armstrong Academy and Bokchido are an important part of our history The school was for Choctaw boys in the Pushmataha district of the Choctaw Nation. And William Armstrong was a Choctaw Indian agent, so that's who it was named after. And the reason it was selected in the location, it was had to do with a grist mill they wanted to run, and they could draw water from a fresh water spring that was located near there. So it was a fairly large school at the time, right? I think in uh, 1859, I think there were about 100 students. Oh, wow. A Choctaw Presbyterian missionary named Alan Wright served as the principal instructor in 1855 and 1856, and he actually later became chief, so I thought that was interesting. But the school closed in 1861 when the Civil War began, and at that time, Confederates who were allied with the Choctaw Council began to use the building as a hospital. And the council also met there in 1863, which was the same year that the Choctaw Capitol 
called Chata Tamaha was transferred to Bokjido. The Chata, Creek, Seminole, Cherokee, and Chickasaw Indian Territory delegates met in the building to plan war strategy with the Confederates who had promised the tribes that they would support a Native American state. Imagine that. Then in 1883, the Choctaw Nation capital was moved to Tushkahoma. By the way, the Choctaw Nation headquarters was moved several times over the years, the current location being in Durant, Oklahoma, where we are today. Also in that year, the Armstrong Academy was opened to orphan Choctaw boys. And then in 1921, it was destroyed by a fire. The only thing remaining is a cemetery. Have you seen that cemetery, by the way? Uh, I haven't been by there yet. I mean, it's just right outside of town, and I think it's... uh... Armstrong Academy Road, just outside of, uh, on Highway 22, heading toward uh, Caddo, I think. Oh, I bet it's, I bet that would be interesting to see. I'm going to be driving through there tomorrow. Maybe I should. Yeah, I think I'll think i probably go take a look sometime. Yeah, hopefully I've inspired you to go check yeah. it out. <laughs> and it, isn't that funny? I mean, some people can live in, say, California and never go see the Hearst Castle. I mean, there's always that scenario where it's like in your backyard, but... Never take time to see it. But. Yeah, we're ta- um, next week I'm taking some time off, and we're going to go to uh, the Spiral Mounds. Oh, cool. And I've, I've never been there. I haven't either. And uh, they have these uh, autumnal or autumn uh, equinox walks. They do that like uh, Wednesday, like three times a day. Yeah. You know, because it's just that time of year and stuff like that. So right. I think we're going to go do that and then uh, maybe visit my daughter up in Norman so oh nice that sounds like the perfect time you're off for a week uh just a few days yeah I've got to do some work and stuff oh <laughs> sure I know I know and you're in IT so it's not like you can ever really get away probably but, yeah um well my sister and I were passing through Bokchido the other day on our way to Antlers Oklahoma and we love the name because it's a phrase we use a lot in the Choctaw language classes when we're practicing phrases so it's a pretty town but as you said blink as you're driving through and you'll miss it but I'd love to hear more about your family. Your grandma and grandpa spoke Choctaw fluently, correct? Um, yes. Mafo Mitchell Pukni Tatukulukut Makalahoa Nopli Bikato. Grandmother and grandfather, they both spoke only Choctaw, I mean, uh, in the home and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, you know, it was just immersed. I was just immersed in it, you know. Uh, the breakfast table, the dinner table, mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, it's just so, part of your everyday yeah, life. You know, and I, I wish I had uh, picked up more uh, when I was younger and stuff like that. I think a couple of times, I think Grandma did sit uh, sit down with me and stuff, and I just asked her things. You know, it's like, what does this mean? If I wanted to say this, how? Mm-hmm. And so, and that's about as far as it went. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, they were talk back and forth, and sometimes. You can only recognize that they're talking about you when you hear your name or like an English <laughs> word or something right. like that. And then your your ears perk up. Yeah. I heard my name. So. <laughs> Wait, are they talking about me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't it true that we all wish we could go back in time and listen to their stories or learn the language? And uh, So did your mom and dad, did they speak Choctaw as well? Um, they understood it. And they knew words and stuff like that, but, you know, they just weren't real fluent in it. But they understand everything that, you know, was, was said and stuff. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, no, they didn't, they didn't speak it. But, you know, they, they know everything. Uh, all the words and stuff like that, they knew. I mean, whenever somebody would talk to them, you know, they know what mm-hmm. was being said. But, no, they didn't talk it. And why do you think it is that their parents didn't teach 
the language to them, your parents? I think it has to do with um, the the schools, uh, the boarding schools and stuff like that. They seen how how much uh, harder it was for them to learn English and and not speak Choctaw and stuff like that. So I think it was that, mm-hmm. and and that's a pretty common uh, story that you hear, you know, all through Indian country, is uh, you know they tried to take our language away and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think. Their mindset, you know, let's not uh, give our kids, uh, they need a fair chance in life. And they uh, maybe they thought Choctaw didn't give them that. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. It's really sad, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because for those of us who didn't grow up hearing the language very much and may not be fluent in it, we're only a couple of generations away from those who did speak Choctaw. That's not that far back. I mean, my great-great-grandmother spoke the language and spoke very little English, and that's not really that far back. So your grandparents, you mentioned, both went to native boarding schools, correct? Yeah. Uh, Grandpa, I think he went to uh, Goodland, and I can't remember, Grandma, she went to either uh, Chilaco or Wheelock. Okay. Uh, I can't remember which one, though. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're honoring them by speaking the language. And what's great now, though, is that you are learning the language and you're even close to it in your role here at the Choctaw Nation. Tell us more about what you do in your department. Well, uh, in my department, I'm an IT assistant. Um, we have a, a lesson, an email lesson of the day, and then we also have a Facebook page where I put uh, the lessons on there and stuff. Um, also, I, I substitute teach, uh, you know, either the high school classes or uh, mm. uh, Southeastern. Um, uh, install, you know, polycom equipment because, you know, we uh, we broadcast from here to, you know, 40, over 40 schools oh, in wow. the 10 and a half uh, counties and stuff. And so sometimes we have to deploy uh, monitors, uh, polycom equipment, you know, the technical stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, maintain department <clears throat> vehicles. It's just... You know, whatever they throw at me, you know, you know, I'll, I'll do it. But uh, totally, yeah, it, it's just a little bit of everything. You know, I mean, I train uh, sometimes with the you know first language speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I got to do that to keep my chops up. Oh know, yeah, so. oh totally. Yeah. So you're constantly being trained so you can help other people right. and yourself. <laughs> and I think as a teacher, I think it's important that you that you are you know, fluent in the language, I think it just strengthens your teaching ability. Mm-hmm. Agreed, so much. And, you know, you mentioned you put email lessons of the day out there, so I always love receiving those in, in yeah. email, so thanks for sending those out. Yeah, do you follow us on Facebook? I do. Okay, yeah, I think it's the same lesson and stuff, you know. But... Yeah, but it's nice to, you know, I don't have time to look at it every day, but when I do, it's mm-hmm. a good little reminder and pick-me-up, but... And you mentioned to me one time, you said it's the best environment here to foster the Choctaw language as a second language. I mean, so true. Yeah, I mean, you know, aside from being immersed, you know, growing up in a family, you know, a household with Choctaw speakers and stuff like this, or, or stuff like that, excuse me. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, right here, you know, as a second language learner, speaker, I mean, we can, you know, go to the first language speaker and, and practice, you know, does this sound right? Uh, do you understand me mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, that, and if they don't get you, if they don't understand you, they'll, they'll <laughs> get you like, you know, with the one eye closed and then, you know, she may ask, you know, what are you saying? Tell me in English what you're saying. Right. You know. <laughs> Just translate this for me. 
But, I mean, I think right here in this department is probably the best uh, uh, place. You know, you have so much patience with mm-hmm. us and stuff like that, you know. And sometimes you won't get that out, you Indeed. know, in the general public, you know. So, But yeah. I think it's a, a great place to learn right here. Agreed, very much. Yeah, when you were talking about having to go to uh, someone who's fluent in Choctaw and say, does this sound right to you? Does this yeah. work? Miss um, Lily in our class last night, she said that she was reading a poem that someone had put into Choctaw and they brought it to her saying, is this correct? And in it is talking about birds or something. And then the word was say, I saw the bird or something, but the word saw, uh-huh. but because it was see, I see something, but then tra- he tried to translate it to past tense it didn't quite work out, and it ended up being the noun, saw, like, I'm going to saw a log. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. It's like, yeah, we could look in a dictionary and see the word saw, thinking, okay, that's a past tense version of see, but but yeah, we have to really be careful about all those (laughs) conjugations and translations and past tense, present tense, but anyway. Okay, so I know that you put a, uh, you mentioned to me you wrote a story in class, right? Um, Yeah, this was uh, from a conversational class uh, that I was in, and I think we had to write something for uh, the the graduation night and stuff like Mm. that, and so I couldn't think of anything to write. And uh, this is just a story from uh, when we lived in McCurtain County. I think we went to, you know, we were there with the kids and stuff like that. And uh, I think we had been at the river and stuff like that. But I'll I'll read this. I'll read the story. Okay, yeah, please do. Okay. All right. And what's it called? Shawi Hasimbish Iksho, No Tail Raccoon. Ah. Okay. Nita i pinsatoka, nana noa no lisabana, himona ma. Siyoshitikat atta ma glover bok ilithkolito. Chulai ayoshta ayoshta mak. Chulai ayoshta mak foka tuk sami. Raven at pi hashi achafa tuk aroko. Iti hishi pinsa hina ho in topa osi ibolito. Akma amalanakni yet nanya hooklet anta ho. Bokma i yopito. Pimalimpa i hopona chieho. Loak ikbilito. Input il isakmat. Pinchoka pilla ilithkolito. Nane chaha pakna i mayakat. Hopaki pit i pinsa hinlito. Nanat hina apotaka noat ayaho. I tokloka i pinsato. Yama i pinsaha. Panakolito. Tracy at Ah, show it a simba show, Archito. Yopali fina cut yaya li nahato. Kiyo, yamanita, Archilito. Makala. Yay! <laughs> and I could barely understand parts of it. <laughs> Not it, because of you, but because of me. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you want me to do it in English? Yes, okay, please. All Let's right. hear the story. So, this is a story I want to tell uh, when we saw a bear. Uh, one time when my daughter was born, we went to Glover River. I believe it was about uh, July 4th because Raven was just a month old. We put her in her playpen so she, so she could see the leaves. And so my son fished and we swam in the river. Uh, I built a fire I built a fire to cook her food. After we ate, we headed toward a house. We were on top of a mountain and we could see a long ways. We both saw something walking beside the road. 
Did you see that? I asked. Yes, it's an old, it's a no-tail raccoon. Tracy said. <laughs> I laughed so hard I almost cried. Yeah. No, it's a bear. I said. The end. That is awesome. It's a no-tail raccoon. Well, that's the, so cute. The reason she said that, she said that, because uh, I think that's when the black bears were starting to come back to yeah. southeastern part of the state, and the way because you can see the way a raccoon. It, she said it, it's a. Uh, it walks like a raccoon and it's going across the road and she's like and she couldn't <laughs> process it fast enough. It's a no-tail raccoon. Yeah, no-tail raccoon. And I looked and I said, no, that's a bear. Because <laughs> I, I think maybe that was the first time I'd ever seen a bear. Yeah. And then maybe uh, her too, I think, you know. So wow. We couldn't process it. And I was like, you see that? And I think went across, that's a no-tail raccoon. I love that. That's a great story. But, um, yeah, I think it needs to be more developed. I think uh, when I wrote this, I was still, you know, in the beginning of trying to put my grammar together. And I, I had, know that's hard. Yeah. It's like math in a way. Mm -hmm. You do one thing wrong and it could be all wrong. But, uh, yeah, I've got a couple more stories because I stayed in that class uh, four or five years and stuff. So every year we yeah. have to. That's what I'm story. doing with this beginner's class. I'm literally just going to take the same class. This is my second year of beginner's class because I just don't want to move forward until I really feel like I have it. Yeah, and that's how, when I started taking that uh, conversational class, you know, I, I think they, they didn't offer like phase two or something like that, which I had taken phase one with another uh, uh, community teacher. Mm -hmm. And then they started this uh, conversational class, and I was kind of skeptical. I was kind of scared. I said, "Oh, that's going to be way over my head." I said, "I'm not going to be able to uh, stay afloat and stuff like that." And I talked with one of the teachers, and he said, "You," he said, "You should do fine and stuff." He said, "He said we're not going to be just going ninety to nothing." He said, "We're, we're going to have to teach you and stuff like that." And so my wife took the class with me too. Yeah. And so she learned quite a bit and stuff like that, and. And she was using pretty good and stuff. So, but now she's taking another uh, uh, online class at uh, Southeastern. Oh, she is? Yeah. At, yeah. But a talk talk class? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. What's so nice though that y'all can speak to each other in the well, language. Well, yeah, we're trying and stuff like that. You know, uh, I try with the, the little one, mm -hmm. you know, you know, commands, uh, stuff like that. You know, uh, just uh, at the dinner table is where you get a lot of vocabulary and stuff yeah. like that. You know, you got your food, you got your plate. It's, it's everywhere. <laughs> well, it's such a gift to give our kids when we can help them know that, especially the language of our tribe. I mean, that's a huge deal. My, I try to speak to my husband on occasion, and he, he's like, that's amazing. And I'm like, I totally messed it up, and he has no idea. <laughs> Thanks, honey. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think that sometimes that happens a lot, I think. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. That was fun. So we talked about Armstrong Academy earlier, and quite a few of the Choctaw Code Talkers originally went to Armstrong. And your great-grandpa did not attend Armstrong, but he was a Code Talker in World War One, right along with those students, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And what was his name? Ben Carterby. That was my, uh, we call that, uh, Mofo Chito, is a great-grandfather. Yeah. So. Well, for those who haven't heard of the Code Talkers, during World Wars One and Two. Native Americans were utilized to send coded messages in their language that the enemies were unable to decipher. And the Choctaws were the first to do so. Please remember that, followed by the other tribes as well. We were first. They truly are heroes. So how interesting is it that your great-grandpa was a code talker? 
And what I think is interesting too about the cold talkers is that in the Armstrong Academy, just as in many other native boarding schools, they weren't allowed to speak their language. And yet here they used their language and became unsung heroes. I say unsung because while most of them were alive, they weren't allowed to speak of their heroic deeds in the war. And most of their family members never even knew about the significant contribution due to the confidentiality of the services that they provided. So tell us more about your great grandpa. Well, I mean, we didn't, I, did, I never met him and stuff, and I didn't even know he was a cold talker until I was, wow. I don't maybe in my, it had to be mid-20s, because, you know, they were sworn to secrecy, you know, because they didn't know if they would have yeah. to do that again until, like, World War II, but mm -hmm. none of them ever talked about it and stuff, and uh, uh, my grandpa, he never said anything, and, you know, family never said anything about it. You know, it's just one of them things that you just know or yeah. you find out when you're older. It's like, oh, wow, wow that's so cool. I didn't know that. Neat. <laughs> you know, so. Puts, the, puts your names on the map, that's for sure. Yeah. And yeah. his name is on one of those bridges out there, right? The... Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's near Smithville, maybe up in that, in that area, I think. Yeah, it's a ways away from here. Mm -hmm. It's not very close. Right. Right. So I went and looked it up thinking I could maybe go out there and take a photo of it, but it's like two hours away or something. Yeah, so. yeah I'll, I'll probably head in that direction on uh, next week, I guess. Oh, so if you get a I photo. Can, maybe, I'll, yeah, yeah, we'll try. It's definitely something to be proud of. And the bridge you're talking about is one of several in Oklahoma named for 19 Choctaw Code Talkers. I've taken photos here and there of the bridges with these heroes' names on them, but I, I haven't seen your grandpa's yet, as mentioned. But now, Nuchi Nashoba is the Choctaw Code Talkers Association president. Is Nuchi related to you? Uh, yes, she's my cousin. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So when uh, Miss Neshoba, she was quoted in BBC Magazine in 2014 when talking about Ben, that he, quote, was one of the men used in the original test to send a message on the Western Front. So how amazing is that? He was one of the first to send a code in Choctaw that the enemy wouldn't be able to decipher. I thought that was amazing. So I wanted to learn more about your great-grandpa, so I did some digging, and here's a quote from the Texas Military Forces Museum website, and I'll be sure to post their link on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. Code talker Ben Carterby, born in 1892 at Batiste, is that how we say it? Yeah, Batiste. Okay. Batiste. The son of Yvonne and Tabol Carterby, preferred like most combat veterans to remember his humble beginnings rather than his war experiences. Recalling that his grandparents had removed from Mississippi to locate the Carterby home place in the woods of the Ochita Mountains, the quiet hero chose to talk about the simple pleasures of life rather than the violence of war. Often reminiscing about his family, he recalled there was plenty to eat. The country was filled with deer and wild game and the creeks and river full of fish. The five acres owned by the Carterbys enabled them to raise enough corn to live on along with a large vegetable garden. In his later years, he liked to remember the times past gathering onions, tying them together, and hanging them in the house for use. He recalled that his family and most of his neighbors raised a few cattle, hogs, and ponies. The animals were allowed to roam freely, taking care of themselves. They were not fed or watered and sometimes went wild, making it difficult to herd them in for spring branding, but their owners were never out any expense on their care. He recalled that his mother made all the family clothing with a spinning wheel and a weaver. She wove all the material at home, making shirts, pants, and dresses, all sewn from heavy materials that lasted a long time and was warm in the winter. Self-efficient. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of us that could do that now if well, we had to. <laughs> yeah, I was watching a, uh, a documentary and stuff, and 
I'm like some of the technology that we don't even we can't even do any of that stuff anymore you know it's yeah just, and we wouldn't know how to fix the technology if it broke so <laughs> yeah I think I was looking at it was something like a uh, uh bark lodge house uh-huh. you know how to get how, to, how do you get that bark off that tree without going you know yeah. breaking and, and stuff like that it's just amazing to me wow I know absolutely pretty impressive these were the memories of a soldier Carter B. embraced the unpretentious, quiet existence of an ordinary man in private life. Determined not to remember the war and the fighting, he purposely avoided discussions and nostalgic memories of the frightening experiences of war, a common thread among all veterans. And isn't this the way it goes? It's often a challenge to get our elders to speak about their lives or their time in the service. And I can respect that, but this was still an interesting snapshot of his life, even if it was just a little bit. So although you didn't know much about your great-grandpa, I hope we're honoring him today by keeping his memory and contributions alive. We talked earlier about Tushkahoma once being the Choctaw Nation capital. Typically every year, well, minus when COVID is a problem like this year, there's the Labor Day Festival at Tushkahoma, which has stickball tournaments, gourd, and other dances, concerts, arts, and crafts, the Choctaw Princess Pageant, buffalo tours, quilting demonstrations, and more. I was going to attend this year and was bummed that it had to be canceled due to, due to the pandemic. So that was a bummer. But anyway, you have some fond memories from Tushkahoma, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to go on a Sunday and they would have, that's when they had the stickball exhibition and then they'd have the, the social dancing and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that, I always look to that, look forward to that uh, all year, you know, because that was, I knew at Tushkahoma on Sunday at, I don't know. I could probably even quote the time, like 10.30 or so, you know, mm-hmm. I was going to be there to play stickball and stuff like that. So Fun. I mean, I always made a, made it a point to be there. Now I'm there because I work, I have to be there because of work, yeah. <laughs> but I still enjoy it. It's not work at all. Yeah, it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the thing about it is this, uh, you know, my youngest son, you know, he's he'll be two in October and he hasn't, he's yet to attend uh, Tushkahoma. So, oh really? Yeah. It's time. I know because of COVID, right? right? Oh right. shoot. Well, for our listeners, stickball is the Native American game from which lacrosse was formed, where two teams have sticks with cupped baskets on the ends and a tawa or a ball, and they attempt to hit a post with the ball. Back in the day, sometimes would use it as a means to settle a dispute or to make a decision. So there's a photo out there with Sidney White, right? Is it your grandpa? Oh uh, yes, John. Yeah, so John has a picture with um, stickball maker. No, stick maker. He's a stick maker, isn't he? Not yeah, a stick it, ball maker. Right. He's a... Uh, I'm going to start that whole thing over. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's a photo out there of your grandpa with the great stick maker for stick ball, Sidney White, right? Yes, my uh, my grandpa, John Baker. That's awesome. Do you have that photo? Uh. I don't have that photo. I think uh, one of my cousins has sent it to me, and I don't know where he found that. You yeah. know, and you know, like, like you said, they didn't talk about you know their life because I didn't know. I never knew he played stickball <laughs> until I seen that picture and stuff wow. like that. And so that was a, a you know, it's a cool picture. It was a, it was a shock and stuff like that. Like, Grandpa, that's Sydney White. <laughs> yeah, you know, and of course he, he's like, oh, that's just that's just Sydney, you know, was, you know. But, <laughs> wow. But yeah, so. He had, you know, I mean, it was a surprise to find out that he played. And then I seen it, you know, Sidney White, because I looked at the sticks at first and the picture is really bad. It's blurry, but uh-huh. you could tell, you know, their signature Sidney White sticks. Yeah. You know, he has his own 
uh, wow. style, I guess, and stuff. Wow. So Sidney White was born in 1889 and was famous for his incredible stick-making abilities for the game of stickball. It sounds like there are very few of his sticks remaining. Have you seen a pair? Um, there's a pair hanging on the wall down the hall. Oh, nice. In, in uh, Lily's uh, Oh, Miss Lily's mm-hmm, office? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, th- yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, um, I think there was a, uh, I think they had a pair of sticks, uh, Sydney White sticks at a stickball camp this past year. I think one of the kids had brought it and stuff like that. And so one of the coaches were looking at it and they like, I think those are Sydney White sticks. Um, <laughs> they said, let me see those. And, and so they took them and then they gave the other, you know, gave her another pair. And, and I guess they told her, you know, they were Sydney White sticks. So, Oh, um, Wow. That's so neat. You don't want to play with these. Let's put these away. Uh Do not touch. So in Tushkahoma at the Choctaw Nation Capitol Museum hangs a pair of his sticks as well. So, by the way, last time my sister Stacy and I were there, she brought this. By the way, last time my sister Stacy and I were there at Tushkahoma, she bought this amazing Pendleton blanket that has sticks as the pattern on it it's beautiful and by the way i also thought it was funny that we just passed by the same exact pendleton blanket here in the office that's why i pointed it out i was like that's a pendleton blanket but i'll post a photo of it on my native chalk talk facebook page i think they had one last one hanging on the wall at tushkahoma so feel free listeners to go there and fight over it maybe you can play a game of stickball to settle the dispute over it now you've got a kid that's going to OU and a one-year-old too. God bless you. Does your son know how to play stickball? Oh uh, no, you know he's not. Uh, he's on. He's only two. So I mean, yeah. I have his sticks for him and stuff like that. So he'll. I mean, he'll pick it up and. Never too early to yeah. learn. You have little bitty tiny sticks yeah. for him. That'd be yeah. so cute. And I think this past uh, summer went to a World Series of Stickball tournament in Mississippi, and so. Uh, we went to a couple of pawn shops, and I found a, a baby pair for him. Oh, really? So, That's so cute. But now my other son, uh, the oldest, is uh, he's 24, and he works at the cult center, cult, uh, cultural center. And so oh, wow. um, I think one of the pictures I sent you is uh, him signing his letter of intent to play uh, lacrosse at uh, St. Greg's. Wow, so cool. Yeah, and but he never, he never did take the field. Uh, he was finishing up his AITs uh, for the military and stuff like oh, that. Oh, sure. And so by the time he was free, I think they had closed the school down. So No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so frustrating. That's weird how, you know, COVID has changed everything. Yeah. But you guys went to New Orleans once to participate in something very interesting together. Why don't you share more about that? Well, uh, we went to New Orleans to uh, reenact in the uh, the Battle of New Orleans uh, for the War of 1812. And this was through the recognize, Recognizing Our Roots uh, movement, I guess. Hmm. And so I think we went uh, maybe two or three, two or three years. And I know we were there for the 200th anniversary. Cool. And uh, that's the, that is my daughter on the, I guess she's the poster child for that the campaign, hmm. I guess. Right. Yeah, for, their, for that campaign. Of that's the, your the daughter? Two, yes. Okay, yes. so the photo I'm going to put on the Facebook page um, yeah, is a picture of her, his daughter with an American flag behind it. Or what kind of flag is that? Uh, I guess it's an early American flag, I yeah. guess. That's amazing. I didn't realize that was your daughter. Yeah, that's, that's cool. what, Yeah, I thought it was neat, you know, so. Yeah, wow. 
So the Viscanic is our Choctaw paper that we tribal members receive. So I'd like to read out of the February 2015 edition of the Choctaw Contribution in the War of 1812. In late December 1814, more than 11,000 British troops massed in coastal Louisiana. Their intent was to capture the town of New Orleans and force an end to the War of 1812. A group of 50 or 60 Choctaws under Pierre Uzan left Pensacola and joined the impending battle under Andrew Jackson. For a while, the Choctaws made patrols to prevent British incursions into the American line. As the British force pushed closer to New Orleans, the Choctaws' position was on the extreme left of the American line at the edge of a swamp. On December 28th, a party of 200 Tennessee riflemen under Captain Kenville entered the swamp and came upon a British force supported by two companies. In the skirmish, the British killed Captain Kenville and several men. Suddenly, withering rifle fire began from the British rear. It was the Choctaws. They could not be seen, but their effect was devastating. The Choctaw contingent, much smaller than the American force, inflicted more than half of the casualties on the British in that engagement. After that, the Choctaws were constantly engaged day and night in skirmishes with the British sentries in the area. One Choctaw man named Poindexter killed five British pickets in three nights. Ultimately, the Americans won the Battle of New Orleans with very few casualties. The small Choctaw force played a significant role by constantly harassing the British. The battle essentially ended the War of 1812. The Choctaws who fought in it called the engagement Babaha Itabi, literally foreign language speaking battle, Hudson, 1932, after the old Choctaw name from the Mississippi River. In December 1815, Mississippi territorial government gave special recognition to Pushmataha and other Choctaw leaders for their efforts in protecting Anglo settlements in the Creek War. Just 14 years later, Mississippi, which had by then been admitted to the Union, passed resolutions that declared Choctaw lands state property and terminated Choctaw sovereignty, thereby making Choctaw communities subject to the state's laws and possible attack by the militia. In 1830, Andrew Jackson, who had called on and received Choctaw aid when he needed it most, signed the Indian Removal Act. The same year, he sent government agents into Choctaw country who threatened the Choctaw people with unprovoked military action by the United States if they did not agree to relinquish their homeland. Pretty damn sad, isn't it? The Choctaw assisted in defeat, and they were later rewarded by being stripped of their land. So, what was it like to be part of that reenactment? It was um, it, it was it was really nice, you know. Uh, there was a couple of points in here that uh, I want to cover, but um, I think, and this was in Jackson's notes. I think that Poindexter had, uh, I think he had shot somebody in the face, and then had reloaded, and then shot like two two face shots. Whoa! Yeah, so they were really really good at uh, you know the black powder. Uh, yeah, you know. And uh, I think the uh, the war cries of the Choctaw warriors, I think that terrified, you know, the British soldiers and stuff like that. Wow. And and so, I mean, we fought different. And, you know, they just lined up in the field. And, you know, we're guerrilla mm -hmm. fighters. We're hanging out in the swamp all day, you know, until, right. you know, until the night comes. Then yeah. We, Used to that Mississippi terrain and swamps yeah. and all that. Um. But yeah, it was it was really fun, you know. I mean, we met some real nice people. We met some uh, uh, Homa Choctaws and stuff like that. They were there. Cool. Uh, some some of the Mississippi Choctaws came and 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 uh, uh, I guess they shared some dances and, and stuff like that. And 
But yeah, I mean, it was it met a lot of real nice people there. Yeah, and, that's uh, so neat that you did that. I love that, and I'm excited that you've shared some photos with me that I'll be able to share with the listeners. Yeah, uh, my son, he was the one. Uh, my son Alan, he was the one that uh, got into it first, and then the daughter, you know, she she wanted to do it too. She was like, uh, they were the uh, Tennessee. Or the camp followers. Okay. The Tennessee militia. Yeah. You know, that's what she was. And of course, you know, he was, uh, I don't think we had enough to put our own regiment. So he just, they kind of assimilated into the, uh, the, the other soldiers. Right. Wow. That's so fascinating. I would love to see that. So is, does it go on every year? Um, I don't know. I haven't, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I, I think they kind of stopped, but we haven't went in the, last few years either so yeah but uh yeah. It, it was really nice you know we got to see visit new orleans and stuff like that so it's the first time i'd ever been there and, yeah and ready to go back so so interesting well thank you for sharing some fascinating information with us today robert are there any native causes you'd like for our listeners to consider well i mean as far as causes i, I really uh don't have any but I'm a language warrior, I guess. You know, I want uh, people to learn their language, you know, Chickasaw, Creek, whatever, you know, whatever it is. I think we need to do that. And that will help with our sovereignty, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what identifies us as chalked off from different uh, tribes and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you learn, you know, a word a month, you know, that's that's better than nothing, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, so that's, that's one of the causes I really stand behind. I can definitely get behind that. And the classes online through the Choctaw Nation that we were talking about earlier, they run August through May through the Choctaw Nation. And you don't have to be Choctaw to learn it, which is great. And online lessons are free. It's actually pretty relaxed. I usually am in my office and I just have a little lamp on. So it's, you know, dark in there, except for the light mm -hmm. from the lamp. And it's um, eight o'clock my time, central time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I just, I kind of see it as my time. It's one hour every you know or two hours total a week um just and it's a great chance to also connect with other people we, we can't talk to each other online but we connect on facebook pages right. online outside of the actual class so feel free to go to choctawschool.com forward slash classes or look for it on my website nativechoctalk.com and click on explore then q a and learn to speak choctaw so, Robert, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to share with myself or with our listeners? Just uh, uh, basically, it's just uh, our language is going to live forever, you know. Mm. So, uh, and that's, that's about all I have for that. I love that. I love that. Well, yakuki, Robert, and blessings to you and your family. Well, Rachel, it was nice talking with you, nice meeting you and stuff like that. So Absolutely. Maybe you'll have me on again. I don't know. Absolutely. I'll be here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again. Potential is everywhere in the Choctaw people. It's in our schools and students. It's in our small businesses and entrepreneurs. Potential is in our lifestyle and health. It's in our culture heritage. Passion and commitment is in our blood. Ingenuity and economy are a tradition. And the Chutha Foundation was founded for this potential. To cultivate minds and hearts. To stimulate ideas and passions. 
to extend lives and improve health through education and to preserve and promote the power of our past. The Chata Foundation, meeting the potential of the Choctaw people. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.